I, I think if you're incarnational, you're thinking about people's felt needs. That's like a Jesus model of ministry. Okay. But the Pentecost event um, animated the church to not think about uh, how Jesus necessarily does a ministry. It's talking about that Jesus is coming back. Okay. That's, what That's the eschaton, that he will that, come back one day. Yeah, so it's not. But you think, in, you think incarnation is no longer needed? I'm saying that ministry out of that mode only works when you're in uh, a, a, a culture that has is that's prevailing in christianity like christianity is a prevailing value right we have lived in a world where the western uh thinking um and christianity uh has become the was the prevailing worldview in that kind of worldview it makes sense to incarnate into all these things because you're calling people into something beautiful and just that the world is experiencing but when you shift into post-christianity i think you're back under uh, it's almost like being a first century church under Roman rule. You can't incarnate into that. That whole thing is set up against you, you know? Like, yeah. But then are you abdicating for like, not abdicating, advocating for like monastic communities? Like you should be set apart. I would say that's not what the first century church did either. They weren't okay. monastic. They were, they were very present in their society. They were always present, always there, but they were contrast. Yeah, well, they were, I was going to use the word combative. Well, I mean, I think the world was combative to them. Okay, so if you're in the middle of a coliseum in this world that's set against you, right? And you're going to die, are you not thinking, oh, my death here is incarnational? They're right. thinking, my death here will point to the fact that Jesus is coming back. Like there is a world beyond this world. There is a, there is a shalom that's racing towards me. We're not getting further from it, but every single day we're getting closer and closer to the return of Jesus. And so whether you kill me now, that's why, that's why Paul can say, you can kill me now. I will be, you know, to, to, to die is gain, right? To live is Christ. Is that, what does that mean? That doesn't mean I'm a Christian incarnating to live as christ means christ is coming like to live now is to get to see christ coming back or i die and i'm i'm in i gain because i'm now in that new place right um and i think that's what we need to capture in a post-christian environment we need to understand that the world is it's fallen there's no there's, you know, with the rise of the eastern, the eastern side of the world and the global south, as they get their economic and political footing, there's no, there's not going to be like an easy flow towards Christian ethics. Now you're going to get Islam and materialism and uh, mysticism and all this stuff's going to start flowing together. It's like watching a table finally get its legs back. Now the world will be in a uh, level footing. Things aren't going to just flow to Christianity. They're all going to be mixed together. You can't incarnate in that place. I well, don't hold on. Incarnate. So time out. We we're doing our episode a little different here. Linson and I are trying to figure out just what does evangelism look like today? Like, why are we not seeing lots of decisions for faith around us? Why are, ministers that we see maybe more timid than we're used to seeing in the last 10 years. And so we, we've just been talking like we often do 
<laughs> and, and I've been talking about our need to get back to incarnation and just being among the people. And he challenging me to say incarnation is not the way to evangelism today. And so I'm debating him. Yeah. Like we often do. We talk out ideas. And so I said, Hey, I'm just going to hit record here and let's keep arguing or fleshing this out. We're not totally arguing. We're going to get yeah. on the same page here, but yeah. that's what we're doing. So welcome to our conversation. Hey, so <laughs> back to you saying that, why would you not incarnate into it? So if, if, if your term, and I, I think you're going to correct your statement here, if the table has come into balance, well, I'm going to go over and incarnate to try to win my friend over to my side. I would think you might want to correct your statement to say it's actually sliding towards non-Christianity, whether it's secularism, Islam, religion, no. whatever it is. So you, you don't want to incarnate into a downgrade right? because you'll never, you'll never be able to slide back up. If it's truly even, you could cross over, but no, answer no, me on I, that. No, no. So the reason why I think, and again, we're just working it out here where we, we don't have an answer yet, but I think the reason why incarnation worked is that uh, in a world that was primarily Christian, when you incarnated, you could tell that person, I'm embodying a kingdom that you can see the values of all around me, right? Like you can see the value of, I don't know, let's say democracy or um, you name it, like, you know, uh, technological advances, caring for the poor, all these, these are all part, these are all heralds of the shalom that Christ brings, okay? So you could do that in that kind of a world. But when you finally have Christians leaving their faith, now you have all these people that live in the world that embody Christian values, but don't want Jesus Christ. If you incarnate in a place and say, man, I'm bringing, we're serving the poor. We're, you know, you're like the millennials charge to bring clean water. Do all the people like, you don't have to be a Christian to do that. I don't understand. Like, why are you, why are you, why are you attaching Jesus to the whole thing? Right. Because they're like, well, why do we need you? And then fundamentally, the world has changed that they kept all of the uh, Christianizing that happened to the world. They've kept all that. And they Christian left ideals. Jesus. Yeah. And, and they, 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 they've jettisoned Jesus. So how do you incarnate in a world like that? That to me doesn't make sense. Our approach isn't theologically incarnational. I think we have to switch now to like an early century church model which is it was eschatological, meaning that we are not talking about here and now and meeting your needs. We're talking about something that is coming soon. Like we will, and, and the church has been saying that forever. I think the renewal movements, like after Azusa Street and stuff like that, renewal movements have been trying to get the church back towards that, that um, we, we, we got nothing here. Our hope isn't here. Our hope is in, it's an unswerving hope for things to come. But okay, I, I'm tracking with you. As you're talking about eschatology, how did you say that big fancy word eschatology? What'd you call it? Eschatological. It's just it's just instead of saying incarnation, which is you know the Jesus model here and now, I'm saying the Holy Spirit is saying no. Actually, I'm taking you guys into the future into into Jesus's soon coming. Okay, event. so in a minute, let's get practical with this. But okay. what I'm still struggling with is incarnation is a Jesus concept, John yeah. 1, 14, he moved into the neighborhood, the message version. He, he dwelt among us. He pitched so, his tent among us. Yeah. And that wasn't a Christendom era. So 
Yeah, but I mean, he's also Jesus. Okay, but my point is, have we been using incarnation incorrectly? You think all this time, like since? No, I just think we had a world that was conducive to that. Okay, from the middle centuries. Yeah. Okay, since Constantine and Christendom and all of that. Exactly. It's been conducive to incarnation. So now your argument that you're making, which is the first that I've heard argued this way, is let's not lean into incarnation. Let's lean into eschatology, which is the proclamation of a coming kingdom that's coming soon. There's nothing for us here. But my point is, how do you win people outside of Jesus if you're not going to be among them in the incarnation sense of the word? Like, what does being among people look like? Like, obviously, yeah, I mean, incarnation, incarnation um that it's more than being among people right it's uh it's becoming like them okay so to win people over right um and i think you're saying when someone's not incarnational they have to be monastic no you can be very present in society but be a contrast society you know got it you know it's like in every kind of dystopian movie i I keep forgetting the woman's name in hunger games but it's like when she looks at the camera and holds her fingers up like everybody knows they're part of that contrast community or the um, Coptic it, Christians that had the cross. Sure. Yeah. That, that would be one. That's how they survive in that space. Right. Um, it would be Morpheus and Neo in a dystopian reality talking about um, Zion. Right. It's another place. You know, it's a, it's a reality that we're all in together. We don't have to be inside the matrix. We can come out of that to another place. So how do they live? They live contrast. You know, they didn't incarnate there. They showed up in that place and, and turned the place around, you know. Um, <laughs> well, this is that book, How, How Not to Be Secular. Mm-hmm. He's getting out a little bit that we've become so secular. He didn't use these words, but that would be like so incarnated that we're actually not a uh, apologetic anymore to secularism that, that's taken on some of our ideals, but is totally secular. So I think what I got partially from his book and, and I'm hearing from you is we actually need to be amongst the people, but we need to be so different and, and we need to differentiate in a certain way that they're like, Oh, those people are from a different kingdom. Exactly. Like they're living for a different reality. Exactly. That's right. And, and that's what I think students need to see. So like if you're at the college campus and you're a minister you have a way of gathering people together that they embody. It's almost like when you're with them, you, you like, like there's a thin space, like C.S. Lewis calls it a thin space between heaven and earth. And it, it feels like it's reality altering. Like I felt like I had no hope until I came into this place. The presence, the intense presence of the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, you know, which is the Pentecost event, which is now racing us towards you know, the, the soon coming king of the uh, return of the king, we're living in a space in between those two events. And and the Holy Spirit is like, I'm telling you, he's coming back. You have hope, right? I know the world has fallen. That kind of a missionary who can bring people together into that, that will win, win over people. They don't even, they can't even tell you what their needs are. They're going to be like, I'm anxious. So am I. I'm anxious too. I live in the same world as you, but in the presence of a living God, 
his presence makes the difference. And in his presence, like it's in Romans chapter eight, right? I think he says, uh, for we have this hope that we will be saved. But then he says, but a hope that is seen is no hope at all. So who, who hopes for something they already have? So, but if we have hope, it needs to be for something that we don't see yet, that we are waiting patiently for. That is the kind of community we have to become where we, re- yeah, we, it, we agree with everybody. It's all gone to crap around us, but we will patiently wait. It's not just for people with a dystopian reality that need a hope or are down and need you pointing to a future reality. It's also going to be for people that have completely syncretized with culture. Yeah, that's great. Or are, you know, completely secularists. I don't know if I said that word right, (laughs) but like I'm living down here in the South and everyone's a Christian or a Catholic for the most part, goes to church, has Christian values for the most part, not totally, but you know, they believe in God and they try to be good people. Well, I feel that in my own life when I'm hanging out with, with people around me, like, am I pointing to a different kingdom? Am I really differentiated enough beyond that? I go to church or that I try to be a nice guy. I'm not always preaching a message or a way that's like, Hey, I'm from a different kingdom people. Like here's, and I've talked with you about this too, off the line. Like part of me sometimes feels like I've lost some of my punch with the ability to be like, I'm with you, but I'm from a different kingdom. So the the table's not even it's sliding. So it's like, if you really want to connect with me, I'm over here. Mm -hmm. Like I'm living for this other thing. I feel what you're talking about right now with, I can hang out with my quote unquote secular neighbors that have Christian values or secular people in town or part of our sports teams and feel like, how am I really different other than what I believe? But it's because I'm not preaching. And I don't mean to say I always need to be preaching, but you know what I mean? I'm not always communicating in word or deed that like, hey, I'm from a different kingdom, right? Yeah. I'm, I, I'm not combative or standoffish enough in those moments. I'm probably because I'm living into the incarnation thing. Right. Yeah. So, and, you know, and I'm not saying that if you are living for the future kingdom of God, that you would be combative either. You would be actually compelling, right? Because yeah. I'm using combative too loosely, but there would be a tension. There'd be more tension than there is be now. There'd ten- be more contrast. Right. Contrast is a good word, but a lot of us don't want contrast, Linson. I know. Yeah. I- I'm-, I'm saying, I mean, you know, I'm I okay get- with that, but most people are like, I don't want contrast. That's tension. Right. But if that contrast allowed people to pull, uh, allowed, uh, created a gravitas that pulled people out of brokenness, pulled people out of addiction, pulled people out of putting a Christian veneer over stuff. I mean, wouldn't you want it that? Like, wouldn't you want? Yeah, but how do you be, how do you be, the problem we're having, and this is where it can get practical, is how do you be contrasting and still highly relational or engaged? Because if I know I'm going to be contrasting, I'm going to lean towards like, I'm just going to create a different community over here. That's just separate from the people over here. Because if I get too involved with these people, 
I'm going to just be like them because I don't want to constantly live in contrast or tension. Yeah. But I mean, again, I, I mean, I, I see what you're saying, but again, I think uh, because we're not saying it's incarnational, you said that that group has to be over here somewhere. I don't think you have to gather in. Uh, why, why can't you gather among the people? Right. Cause I'm like, saying maybe you don't want to deal with the tension because people are so different. I mean, that, that, that might what be you're exact- saying is that our world is so different now. True. We have such different values. It's not a Christendom. Why do we need Jesus? How the heck am I supposed to be living for Jesus amongst those people? That's the tension. Hey, that's great. That's why I feel like the original premise holds is you can't be incarnational. You have to be, you have to be from another place. You have to embrace that identity, which will then unfortunately lead to Colosseum moments. Right. Right. So how do you have regular relationship with people that are living by a totally different set of values if you can't be incarnational? You have to do do that. You have to live. You have to live. uh, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. Right. Matthew 5, 16. But what's different about a true follower of Jesus and the people that have the Jesus ideals, but no Jesus. Like, what What do you think? I'm just saying, like, what do you think that person would look like that actually brings um, contrast or compelling invitation? I mean, you can only, there are two things that are characterized by the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit in a Christian's, in a Christian's life. The fruit and the gifts, right? Everything else you can try to mimic. I mean, Simon the sorcerer even tried to buy it. And Paul was like, you can't have, you can't have either of the, you can't buy these things. They're not commodities for sale, but the Holy Spirit indwelling in you can create the fruit of the spirit and the gifts of, and, the, and animate the gifts of the spirit in your life. And I think that is telling of a future kingdom. Uh, people can act that way for a certain amount of time, but at some point, we all realize there's no way we would be able to access any of these values without the Holy Spirit um, creating that in us. So you can have nice people around you, but are they really full of love, joy, peace, patience, etc. right? But if you are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, right? Again, it's, it's an eschatological, it's like what we are becoming. If you really believe that, then you will allow the Holy Spirit to engender the fruit in your life, and you'll let him animate the gifts in your life. And okay, that- so I can go with that, and that's compelling. So if I'm embracing an eschatological reality, which I know sounds crazy that people listen to this, but a, a reality that the future kingdom is coming, and I'm living, again, not to be cliche, but not of this world. Yeah, or I'm, I'm living in that kingdom. It's the I'm, here and not yet kingdom. I'm living in the kingdom, but in the world then what I'm actually looking for in markers of my life is let Holy Spirit, this is where you become Holy Spirit dependent, prayerful. You have your prayer groups, your prayer friends. I, I, you know me, I like to keep things really practical. I'm going to go hang out with my neighbors tonight. I'm going to go hang out with my neighbors tomorrow at the Garth Brooks concert. 102,000 people are going to pack out LSU. I'm with my soccer teams, parents all the time. So my prayer is Holy Spirit, let the gifts of your spirit be so evident in my life that others go, I want 
what he has that's part of that other kingdom, even they don't know it's other kingdom, the opportunity for me to share. Well, that's because I'm living for a different reality. Yeah. Or that somehow the gifts of the spirit explode even in that moment, whether it's uh, healing or prophetic words, whatever it is, right? 100%. That would be an amazing prayer to pray every day. So, I mean, that's how you live into eschatology. I would, I would say, I like your point is, I need more of your fruit, God. I need more of your gifts. And so what that comes with is more prayer, more holiness, mm, but also more engagement. Yeah. Because, right, like who cares if you have fruit and gifts if you're not engaged with the world? Yeah. Especially when we look at Corinthians where some of those gifts are for the unbeliever. Exactly. Yeah. But I can't receive all those things from God if I'm not connecting with him or abiding with him mm-hmm. very well. So I like that, man. I, I can get on with that. So when, when you're asking me before I hit record, like, okay, well, what am I going to train on in evangelism? Like, where does this go? What do we need for like our student uh, regional gathering or when the next church calls me to train? To me, this is where I want to go with training now is, hey, let's understand what an eschatological reality is versus incarnational one. And let's understand what it, it means to ask the Holy Spirit for fruit and gifts to be displayed amongst people that are other. Yeah, 100%. That will make you, it'll, it'll either make you uh, really loved by your neighbors where they want to join you, or you will be repulsive. Right. So, right. So, in, and if you're repulsive, you know, that's when all the trial, and tribulations come upon your life, you know, and you continue to endure and live with hope, right? I mean, but, um, but you'll find that you'll win others over um, when, when living into that reality. Again, it, it really presses against some of the kind of incarnational ideas that we used to have. Um, And again, they're not wrong. It's just, that's why we have a beautiful, rich, triune God, right? I mean, you know, we're experiencing and understanding the worldview through the intra, you know, the, the, the intra relationship between the Trinity, right, is that, you know, the Holy Spirit bears witness to Jesus who bears witness to the Father, right, or the Holy Spirit even reveals the Father to us as well. So they're all working together. And even the Holy Spirit now is telling us Jesus, the Son, is coming back at the Father's time. Right. So there's something about all the triune God at work that we need to uh, be aware of that and lean into that. I think if you're a part of a church tradition that likes to emphasize one part of the Godhead over another, um, you know, we, we challenge you as a brother, as brothers, you know, to consider leaning into the full kind of Trinitarian view of living in a dystopian reality. Um, well, what do you think? I think that's good because I think another piece of that is that we need to increase our verbal communication and even our theology around the return. Mm-hmm. Like we're not talking about the return enough. Yeah. That like we're waiting on this hope. We're waiting on this return. So much of our preaching is about what Jesus has done. Mm-hmm. Right. And of course that's important. We need to talk about the cross and all that, but what I'm hearing you also say is we're actually majoring in the return. Yeah. And yeah. of course the cross is there. The oh, resurrection yes. is there, 
Yeah. But that's almost like, let's cover this and then let's live in the hope of the return. Exactly. Yeah. There we don't go. talk or preach like that a lot. If we're being honest, if you just, for those of you listening to, if you evaluate the way you're trained to share the gospel or communicate the gospel to people, even me, we talk a lot about what he's done. Mm-hmm. Not w- that he's coming. I mean, yeah. Right. Yeah. Or what he's about to do. Right. What he's about yeah. to do. We don't. And I I would even argue, Bo, um, some of us actually stop at the cross, like the atonement. And it's a power. It's powerful. The atonement. We never want to take anything from it. But some of us don't even get into resurrection. Right. Like we actually stop at what happened at the cross. But the resurrection is also a signpost of the eschaton, like what is coming. Right. The Pentecost event shows us what is coming. The missional church explosion of the first century is talked. It's all built around a hope that he's coming back. And again, when you said when 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 Christianity went viral, when it went mainstream, we began to live in a grace of a world where we could be incarnation. We could be all those things because the world was flowing towards Christianity. Right. I think now for the first time ever, we're experiencing a world that doesn't care they already heard of Jesus and they don't care versus uh, some of missionaries will say until everybody hears about Jesus. And you're like, I mean, that's true. I don't know if everyone's heard about Jesus, but a lot of people have and they in the don't West. Care. in the West and they don't care. Right. So what do you do in that type of environment? You can't be you have to be a different kind of you have to have a different mode. And and I think when everyone's heard of Jesus in the West and they don't care, that's a broken reality. That's a dystopian. Right. And so that's why we need a contrast, uh, calling people to a utopia that's coming in Jesus, right? That is not of this world. Um, I believe it's, um, so we as believers, we, I think this is in like Corinthians, uh, second Corinthians, like we as believers, we fix our eyes on what is uh, seen. Uh, 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 we, uh, we fix our eyes on not what is seen, but what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen to me and you and my fellow non-believer, what was unseen is eternal, mm-hmm. right? Dude, that's weird talk, right? If you're all about incarnational, right? Let me care for your needs. Let me do all this. Let me, you know, and then, then you, you step in and say, actually, I can't help you. I can't even help myself because what we have seen is all temporary. But what is coming? What is unseen? That's eternal. Um, I don't know. I think we're tapping into something here. We're not sure if it lands. And of course, me and Bo, we love to we love to talk. We can preach our way into anything. So if you're like, yo, you guys are way off, tell us. We are humble to say. Yeah, I, I, I just I'm still not sure if I'm tracking with you on the incarnation thing. I and we can talk about this next time, but I think we're using two different definitions of incarnation. Yeah. So that's probably where I'm getting tripped up. Yeah. You're and maybe I'm using it. Yeah, I'm probably using it incorrectly too. You're using it more robustly than I am. I think where we're agreeing is engagement. Yeah. I'm using incarnation more as engagement. I think you're using incarnation as like becoming like them, Mm -hmm. which is probably more accurate, but I'm not thinking about becoming like them. I'm thinking about becoming on their turf. You're showing up on their turf. Yeah. Right. And so that what you would say is that's not incarnation. Yeah, no, because incarnation would lead you to think about their felt needs. Um, I'm like, I, I just don't feel like we're in a space like that anymore. 
Because their felt needs are mine. They're anxious. So am I. They're fearful. I am too. I mean, we're, we're living in a really, you know, I mean, it's a hopeless world at times. Um, and I think it's becoming more and more real to all of us. So we're. Yeah, we're- I still don't know if I'm fully tracking with you, but I need to think about it more. I do like what you've brought to light here, though, with the eschatology um, bent, the idea of we need gifts and fruit. Um, I think the idea of, of preaching uh, the message of the return and the future hope that comes with that, like we're waiting on a hope, we're waiting on the unseen. I think there's something really powerful with being a Christian that's engaged with people, but realizes realizing more in a more palatable way, like I'm living for something that is not here. I think what you're bringing to light and I hope our podcast is, is that we've preached a gospel and lived a gospel, at least since you and I have been following Jesus, at least for the last 20 years, that's been a lot more embodied with the here and now, Mm -hmm. like let's experience Jesus here. This is probably getting out with incarnation. Let's connect here. Let's meet him here. To experience him here now. And what you're saying is things have changed. There's a number of reasons why one of them being just cultures rejecting Jesus, but because of the change, there's not this experience. Jesus here and now and together and we're similar and let's bring them in. It's like, no, I'm actually living for this. Like I need, I need the other, I need the future. I need the hope. Like there isn't a lot necessarily to celebrate here, connect with here. I'm actually waiting and hoping and trusting in here. Join me because you're going to get lost in here. Mm-hmm. That tracking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you said it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll have to I figure out how to make that more clear. Yeah, we got to make it more clear. <laughs> huh? We got to make it more clear. I think we're yeah, saying that's just our unfiltered thoughts and like yeah, talking yeah, it out. Thoughts. Yeah. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, hey. Um, let yeah. us know if you like listening to this conversation. Um, <laughs> that was about, really, that was really live and raw. So live and raw, live and raw from Bo and Linson. So talk to y'all later. Until next time, peace. Yeah. Peace.